Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. All right, let us freaking go. This is going to be an awesome show. I'm excited for this one, guys. I really am. Why? Because my guest is joining me live from Copenhagen. Hello. That's right. International podcast. Let's learn from everyone all across the world, whatever it takes to make that revenue happen, right? So who is my guest today? She's an absolute badass. She's a sales leader and thought leader, pure sales on the Hardcore Marketing Show. Yes, pure sales with a crush on marketing. And you're gonna know why, because she is an expert when it comes to social selling and that social side. And we're gonna dive into that. We're gonna smash things today. Who is, this, who is she? She's the sales leader of the Americas at Dream Data. Laura Erdem, welcome to the show. Casey, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited. I can't wait to learn from you. Man, I feel like I've had coffee. I've had a little bit, but you are like sales coffee. So let's do this. And I'm going to pass you this thing. It's heavy and it has to go all the way across the Atlantic Ocean. But you got right. this. Ugh. Ugh. Okay, here we go. Thor's <laughs> hammer. I took it. You got, got it. Oh, it. Good. Take for me Thor's hammer and smash some kind of marketing and sales myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. This one is for marketers. I believe that it's not just companies that create brands for them, but it's people who work in the companies that create the perfect branding of each and every company. Smash. Smash. So talk to me about this. It isn't the company itself. It's the people. It's the parts inside, not the company itself. It's a mix. So it's, it's the beautiful mix of companies creating guidelines of how they want to be perceived, what type of a company they are, but the actual brand ambassadors, the people who are in the company are carrying it out. They are speaking out their own personalities outside of the company. So they are representing the company on social. They are representing the company at events. Everybody would recognize the company, not only because of the beautiful colors they have just changed on their website, but they will recognize it for the people, the way they stand, the way they speak about themselves or the company, especially on social. That's what we're going to talk about a lot. But sometimes you might even remember a name of a person and would just only after that remember which company that person works for. A hundred percent. I could think right now you've got you've got Ethan Butte, who used to be at BombBomb, and now that he's not, who well, who is even BombBomb, right? And then Daryl Prale, you know, used to be at Vanilla Soft, but now he's not. Now he's at Agorapulse. So that puts Agorapulse on the map because Daryl Prale's there. So like the people are what really shine and elevate the brand and but why why do people keep thinking it's the company itself and the colors and the where does this come from it comes from marketing because it's easy to control ah. so it's a difficult thing to work with cuz marketers 
they are hired to create this beautiful brand of the company. The ads that we're releasing, the blog posts that we're writing, this is a part of our brand. How did we decorate our booth? This is what we think people will remember. And the nice thing is it's easy to control. But the difficult thing is that people that are outspoken and are representing your brand, both in that booth and on social, well, you're talking about Daryl. That's the best example ever. He might be saying different things than just the company he works for. And he might be framing those a little differently. But still, since he loved the company that he works for, he represents it. And that builds up the brand credibility even more. So the activity of your people on LinkedIn, where everybody is watching how the company is, is so important. And, you're, and you, you've said this a couple of times, it's easy to control these things. And I think as marketers, we should listen to this. We can get it wrong when we obsess over these colors and how the booth was decorated, but maybe it wasn't that booth after all. Maybe it was the smile and the conversation with the person in the booth. But how, but if you can't control that, that sounds scary. Like so, so how do we how do we do that? Then? I mean, do I just need to kidnap Daryl from Canada and bring him down here and say you're you're with Ringmaster now, buddy? Like how do, how how do you create this when it's people and then? It's tough. It's not yeah. easy, but it starts with the company defining what type of people do they want to hire okay. and how do they want to enable those people to represent the company that shines both their personality, but also the company. So it starts from the depth of the company, how we are as a company, how are we representing ourselves? Because I used to work at Gartner. I used to be very afraid to post on social because I was afraid to ruin the brand of the company. I was only able to post the magic quadrants. You post it on LinkedIn and nobody really cares. And, right. and you think, oh, I did my job because the branding is out. And you're proud to represent the company. It's an awesome company to work for. But now when I stepped out and work at another company right now, I can see how stiff the company looks. It lo Oh, it must be very hard to collaborate with this company because it seems to be that everything is very much controlled in the process. And imagine if those clever people, all the analysts they've got at Gartner started to speak a little bit more from their personality along with the knowledge that they've got. How much more traction would Gartner get to be able to represent the company in the way that people actually read the information? Don't talk with me just like an analyst would write. Talk to me like I'm your friend with your knowledge so I can understand what that challenger in the magic quadrant means. That would be so much easier. But we're afraid that we will appear silly mm -hmm. and then IBM won't spend a million dollars with us. The thing is, there are so many things that are changing in the market. There are so many people that decide to go fractional to start working for themselves and so on. And all of the brands that stay the same and neither enable their people to do something different, nor are open to learn how to do different stuff, they stay those stiff companies. 
they would still do business with each other, but the market around them is changing so much. And I understand the fear of being like looking silly, but imagine of not changing and just staying the same mastodont and only willing to work with the big companies that never change. That's scarier. And potentially those companies never hear of you because no one's talking about you and you're not talking about you. And yeah, it's, it seems like a recipe for shrinking the size of your company. There's one thing, actually. So now you're mentioning IBM. It's the most innovative company since the 80s. Really? They started AI. I mean, all that kind of oh, stuff, lots yeah. computing and so on. How many times have you heard people on LinkedIn speaking about how innovative IBM is? Or somebody from IBM talking about this, like, look at this quantum computing thing and why is this so cool and so on? Like, I mean, this has been there forever. But if they were able to enable their people to talk more loosely about this and to share their knowledge, it would be like hundred times more beneficial than just sticking with the branding, I think. Right. And, but, you know, you think, okay, they've got, sir, they used to, I mean, used to be more software or hardware based, but, you know, okay, for infrastructures with IBM, we want them to be super serious so we know it's super secure. Well, uh, but that's, that's even evolved to more software and consulting and, and you're right. Like they freaking invented a computer that can beat a grandmaster at chess but we in, still, in my mind, I think, yeah, that's that, that like boring company. Exactly. Yeah. Weird. Change that. Let's help companies that feel like they're a little bit stiff to become a little loser. Give a little bit of that, like, willingness to control your brand over to the people. What if... You gave Daryl a possibility to change IBM. Not to change IBM, but the way they speak. The way they appear on LinkedIn and the social places where everybody else is there. I think it would do wonders. Yeah. Hear that, IBM? Daryl Prale. Go steal him from Agora Pulse. <laughs> Buy him a villa. Um, give me a beach house. <laughs> Okay, so I want to do this. This sounds exciting because even sometimes I feel inflexible and it's almost like a natural tendency where I'm not IBM, but sometimes I feel it. Sometimes I don't feel like being out there. So what what is your recipe? How How do we not only get ourselves, but also the people around us to feel comfortable and just put it out there? Yeah, so I've got a list of five things Ooh, that yeah. you can I do. I love lists. I love it. Let's go. Great. So it starts with the company itself. To start with, number one, if you are a leader of the company and you're thinking it would be so good if we were a little bit less stiff and enabled our people to do it, first thing to do, start posting yourself. Start putting yourself out there. It might be silly to begin with, or it might sound too stiff and I'm still too way branded and stuff. But as soon as you put yourself out there, you will start to care and will start to read how others represent themselves and how would you like to be perceived. So start posting 
yourself. Start posting yourself. Uh, there is a senior executive listening right now and they're like, what do I post? The easiest way to go about it is your market is really marketing really cares about it. If you have really big troubles of figuring out what to post, if you're a senior leader, you definitely have hundreds of ideas. So just chop them off and start shipping. But the easiest way to do it is pick up a blog post that recently have been written by your marketers. Usually those are very proud about something that you did or some specific lists of how to change stuff and so on. Sit down for half an hour, chop that post up to three LinkedIn posts, and then schedule them for the week. You already started posting. You will start caring how do people react to those posts as well from there. So we'll, you will start checking, are they actually reading them? What else is out there and so on. And then the next week you will start to notice how would you like to be perceived the next week? So you just have to start to break that barrier to start posting. And it could be the first week of your blog chop is going to be very stiff. The next week will be easier. If it's still hard, pick up the blog again, chop it off. While you're walking around listening to your podcasts, if you listen to Casey and you think something is really, really cool and I would like to reflect on that because it's so reflective for the work that I'm doing, write it down, post it. Start with that everybody will start following. They will see that LinkedIn, being social on LinkedIn is a part of your job. That means it's a part of everybody else's job and it will not be perceived as just social media scrolling. Beautiful. That, that's really helpful. I, I definitely see that. All right. I'm ready. I'm ready for two. Number two, make it fun which means that in two dimensions, make it fun to consume or at least easy to consume. So try, if you're chopping up that blog and start to make a post out of it, try to rewrite it as if you were telling this to your friend or to your dad. Something simple, don't overuse the big words and so on. You will start to notice that people will read it and react to it much more because it's so much easier to reflect. It sounds like the spoken language that I'm reading. Sometimes I notice, oh, I made a mistake in the post and I don't fix it. You know why? Because people can see that it's an actual person who wrote this. And while we do grammar mistakes or spelling mistakes, whatever that is. But the other angle of make it fun that goes into the enablement of the team. So if you as a leader has started posting and you want your team to do it as well, make sure to make some kind of competition. Talk about that this is important for us. That's why if everybody could post once a week and then we look at that, let's find the coolest posts so everybody could get inspired of or let's talk about the failures. Somebody who got, I don't know, 100 views and zero likes. And let's talk about why that is. Wow. Make it a little bit more fun and engagement so people can see that you see it as valuable and they want to contribute. Okay, make it fun. Got it. Ready for three. Let's do this. Number three is purely for the team. 
Okay. When you're enabling them. Support. Support people who need help with frameworks, what they can use, what worked for you. Why do they find this difficult? Encourage them to maybe just copy paste posts of each other to start with and just get that barrier out of like, it's okay to click the button publish <laughs> or post and like nothing will happen. And right. even if it gathers hundreds of views, that means not too many people have seen it. And even if you failed, nobody really cares. <laughs> so support your team because if you had trouble starting, the team will have double as much troubles because they will know you're watching and they will want to perform in front of you as well. Okay. Get their, take the, get their backs, make sure they, they feel supported. They, uh, even the idea of copy paste each other to start with makes, makes sense. Just, just get started, get the momentum going, get one step yeah. in front of the other. Yeah, exactly. The fourth one goes mostly for the marketing team. So if you have already started this and you're thinking, all right, so branding is created by people and a lot of stuff is going to happen and let's look for the results. Give it time. Mm. The fourth is one of the most important ones because you will get impatient. So I think, oh, this doesn't work. Oh, she made a spelling mistake. Oh, go fix this because this is not branded guidelines and stuff. No, just trust the process. It does work. If you look at the companies that are actively enabling their people to be on LinkedIn and how they're doing this, they did not start from perfect. They gave it time and it can take up to a year, sorry to say, to actually start seeing the results of revenue as well. So starting to map the actual touches that land on your website, increase direct traffic on the website and all that kind of stuff. Maybe easier to hire, easier to get references to other people too. That's a part of branding too, employer branding or company branding. Those two things often start to match as well give it time. That's a tough one. It is. It's, it is. It's real talk, right? Like, okay, this is not instant magic. No. It's not a cup of noodle soup, you know? <laughs> it's not. And it's difficult to prove to management if they don't believe in it because it's a tough one to show instant results, but it's easy to point to companies that do it right through their people, and you can see how successful they are. Gong is growing through people. They have amazing brand colors and images that you do recognize, but all that messaging is amplified by people. So if your executives don't think it's the right thing to do, well, maybe you could try starting it yourself with your little team or just yourself to see what happens to show that there are people who reach out and acknowledge that actually this is working and it's easier for me to book the first meeting if I'm in sales or to get feedback on some messaging that I've created in marketing or something like that to show the smaller steps to that success in order to give time for it. The final one, very important, celebrate. This is so, I mean, you made it fun, you made it to posting and as soon as you see any kind of improvement that you see working, you will have to celebrate. So people feel 
this is something we want to do again. This is something we're proud of. This is something we want to repeat and go at it because it works. Or at least we trust the process. Celebrate that. That'll just simply encourage people to continue doing it, to do more of it. If they were hesitant, you know, take some time to pat yourselves on the back, to have a party, to reap the rewards. Yeah. Well, we did the first time at Dream Data, we set a goal for us for a team of six to hit 300,000 views on LinkedIn through a quarter. And um, we hit it by 500,000 views throughout the quarter. We went for a dinner on a Thursday. Friday was very heavy due to the the liquids consumed <laughs> at dinner. What What do you mean, Laura? I don't even know what you, what are you talking about? No, no, the tea. And, uh, and we had a blast. We still remember how impactful it was. And from there, it became part of who Dream Data is. We are a social work company that grows from there. Right. Beautiful. I love that. And in, in the result is, and let's talk about the results, right? The results is not just attention and 500,000 views, but easier to hire people. How, how does that connect to sales? Like what, what, how does that bridge over? You know, like we made all yep. this noise. Everyone knows Laura, everyone knows Daryl, everyone knows different people. And then it's like, how do you connect that to, to that social selling part? A couple of things. So to start with, it will be so much easier for you to book the meetings. When people have seen you, have seen the messaging, it's like, oh, you are from Gong. Okay, I've seen Gong everywhere. Easy. I want to see how yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want to see how their sales process looks like. So spin me in. Could be that I'm not interested just yet, but I want to book that meeting. It will be so much easier to book meetings. Um, the next thing that happens is your marketing will start seeing improved followers count on your LinkedIn page improved first touch on your deals from LinkedIn social, organic social. And then when you're closing deals, you'll start to notice that it's the velocity of the deals is speeded up because as a salesperson, you're not annoying your prospects with just generic messaging. It's like, oh, I just wanted to follow up and here's a piece of a blog that you wanted to read because somebody told me I always have to bring value. <laughs> it's like, delete. <laughs> I'm right. not ready. Yeah. Right. But when you're posting, you're actually engaging your buyers into your content at their own time, at their own premises. And they decide if they want to scroll it through, if they just want to look at it or the video you shared, they want to watch it and never like it because they don't want to show too much intent because you're going to send them very useful blog posts. <laughs> yeah. So it definitely helps you out to be a more successful salesperson and faster book meetings and the deals. Sign me up. I'm, I'm in. I'm going to start posting help. right after this interview. <laughs> you know, Laura, so you know a lot of things. I'm just curious, are there are there books or podcasts that you like to frequent? Are there anything you're reading now? Mm, not about social selling per se. Oh, not about yeah, just in general. Like where do you get your information? 
So my idol right now is April Dunford. She is the idol of obviously awesome. The book that she's she has written some time ago. This one is about positioning. How do you position yourselves as a product in the market? Mm. This one is golden. And recently she wrote a book called Sales Pitch. She's a marketer. She wrote a book called Sales Pitch. And she released a podcast about it. I have listened through all of them. And even though the book says mostly similar things like the podcast does, I still read the book because it's so much easier to be a salesperson when you understand how you position yourself and how your prospects perceive you in the buying process. She's my idol. Wow. I am definitely going to check out that podcast. Definitely going to check out that book. Powerful. Well, Laura, Laura, who are you? How do you know all these things? Yeah, there's you're not reading a book on social selling. You are the book on social selling. How do you know these things? Can you take me back in time? Little Laura days. Did you know you're going to be leading the charge, teaching the world about social selling? Take me back in time. What was it like? Yeah, it was definitely not about social selling. <laughs> and but though now you're saying this, I've never thought about this. So after finishing school, let, let me take you back to like the little Laura. When I finished school, I definitely did not know where I'm going to study next. I come from Lithuania where it's socially not approved not to go to university. Universities are free and all of the kids after school is just a natural path. You go to the university. And if your child does not go to the university, there might be something wrong with your child. Right. <laughs> right. So, so I really didn't know where to go. So what I did was I made a list of studies that I wanted to study. Number one, journalism. Number two, psychology. Number three, Danish language. Number four, sociology. And I was not the smartest kid in the class, so journalism didn't go through. I got through the tests, actually, but my grades were not good enough to go into the oh, school. Do you have to actually take a test? Yeah, for journalism for school, I had to take interviews. Yeah. Oh, wow. There I had to go through interviews to show proof that I have tried some stuff. I did the radio stuff, and, and that's what gave the proof. But my grades were lower than the other kids that uh, went through the same test. Yes. Journalism? Go away. Psychology, the same. I was not so good at math and it was one of the most important things. Danish language, I have no idea why I applied for it. There were <laughs> 13 spots to get that in that year in Lithuania. I didn't get that one. And uh, I landed at sociology. So if you were to read me from my childhood, I think that's a very confused child. Yeah. <laughs> it was totally crazy. But... Now you're saying social selling and preaching social selling. So kind of sociology is a part of understanding how people think, how people group themselves. Yeah. And so I might have learned a thing or two in my university years as well. Yeah, it, it's kind of interesting. It's, you know, study of what people and, and what makes them tick and what motivates yeah. them. And Exactly. Do a lot of charts. <laughs> There's a lot of charts. Yeah, but you know what? Charts are easier to read than 
the dense psychology book, yeah. you know, and, and now you're practically applying it. Yeah, I never thought about this because I always say that, yeah, yeah, I studied something totally unrelated because I think about tech, I think about sales, it's totally yeah. unrelated. And, but yeah, I finished up the school. And the interesting thing is I got hired while I was at the university by a company headquartered in Copenhagen while I was in Lithuania. So my third wish of studying Danish language Moved into living in the country and learning the language anyway. <laughs> so kind of. I know. Right? I feel like true. you probably you probably would have had a degree in that already by now, just from using it yourself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's that's how I got into tech by being hired by a company while I knew nothing about tech uh, to start some coordination roles over there, and only. Six years while I was at that company, it's a big American company that had uh, also a huge headquarter in Denmark. I thought maybe I would like to try sales because I'm kind of good at communicating, kind of good at the understanding people and talking with them. So let me try that out. And I got declined at the current company I was working. So I started to look for a job. And that's where a big shift comes in because I had quite a like nice middle management positions already in that company. And then I shifted and got a junior sales position at Red Hat as inside sales. Okay. I was supporting account managers. I learned a lot. This was the company with the most amazing culture that I've ever worked for. Really? Yeah. And a year after I was promoted to an account exec, I was not promoted. I asked for the promotion. And first I got a no because they hired another person and then I got the second position. So then, then I started to climb the ladder, um, got the account executive position. And then later I was recruited by Gartner. Nobody says no to Gartner. If you are invited, <laughs> you say yes. I, I mean, it's a compliment too. They they saw you. They reached out. They're like, yeah, yeah. Stop selling that stuff over there. Come over here. We got <laughs> exactly. we got the goods. Exactly. But but it, if I figured out quite quickly that it was not my cup of tea, due to that stiffness we spoke about before. Yeah. And it's it's an amazing company. They taught me so much, and I made so many friends. I started working at Dream Data. It's a startup. I was employee number nine. Let's just be honest. Like Gardner's like that friend at the party that's just standing in the corner, sipping their drink, you know? <laughs> it's like with yeah. a couple of Rolexes on the arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a couple of Rolexes, but, but they're just standing over there. And you, like, you, you and I, we got a dream. Hey, hey, Gardner, what's up? You, you just get here? You having a good time? And they're like, yeah, yeah, have a good time. I'm good. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll be over here if you want to come join us. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Like, well, maybe they can listen to this podcast and this is straighten this thing out. <laughs> no, exactly. So you get over to Dream Data, and it, is it a dream job? Are, and and what are you doing now? What are you excited about doing now? So a dream job? I don't know. What? When do you say in a startup that it's a dream job? Like everything is on fire, everything is important, and try prioritize <laughs> that. <laughs> but but it's. Right. it's process that is amazing because you see so much progress so fast because since you are a small startup you can only let yourself hire the best people that can yeah. help you go fast forward 
And that's what I've learned and that's what I enjoy the most. The the pace that we're running in the speed of change and yeah, the flexibility of trying new things, it goes way too fast. Sometimes I cannot keep up with how much product is being shipped every single week. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Yeah, and I'm the mostly excited right now about the development of AI that is being put into the product. That's one of the things like kind of the big thing that everybody's a little bit afraid of, but also crazy excited about. And to see how fast the product develops into a total different direction due to that. Right. What, what does it do? It's a revenue attribution platform. So if you are a company who wants to understand if their marketing is working, or where do we put in sales throughout the whole funnel? You want to map out all of those touches. What happened on the website? What happened on LinkedIn? What happened in Salesforce? And and then how much did we actually close? So put the dollars on each and every touch throughout the customer journey. That's attribution. Yeah. That's exciting because, I mean, we could do a whole other show on attribution, you know? Like, it's so important to understand what's working, what's not working. But, but there is a gray area between the social selling or do you, do you eliminate that? Do you oh, help? No, no, no there is selling? a gray area. No. Okay. Imagine, no. Oh, hey. Exactly. Imagine you, Casey. So now we spoke about this and then you go and check out Dream Data's website coming in directly. Well, we wouldn't say that, oh, Laura met on a podcast and then this person went into our website and then went direct. That would be magic. We can only track what we can actually track. But we right. do our best to correlate things that we feel that are working, like social selling. Whenever a post gets semi-viral, we do see the direct correlation with direct traffic on the website or organic social touches from LinkedIn as well. Yeah. Man, okay, this is cool. We're going to have a link to this in the show notes. I would encourage people to go check this out. I, I'm seeing a lot of things. I don't turn this whole show into a sales pitch, but I see a lot of cool things on here. Uh, 500 plus endpoints and wrangling all the tools, whether they be social or CRM or platforms or apps. It's The idea of getting it all in one place is exciting to me. Yeah. So I have a bit of a hypothetical question for you. All right. All right. You see, I may or may not have a time machine here in New Hampshire, right? Oh my so you, God. You not only have that hammer, but you have a time machine. It's true. I do. It's in the backyard covered in a tarp. <laughs> so you come to Boston, some big event, big customer event, you know, a lot of folks getting their revenue, revenue attributed properly. And, and so you come visit, we get some lobster, get some beer, and we use the time machine, right? <laughs> but it's a particular kind of time machine where you get to go visit yourself four days after you've completed sociology at university. And you get to visit that Laura. What are things do you tell her? What kind of advice or feedback or stock tips? What, what are you telling your younger self? Yeah. So the key thing I would tell myself is follow your energy. Don't tame it because it's, attracting people a lot to be better 
the energy part is so important because sometimes we feel like, oh, I need to do this. It feels important, but you feel totally drained. Well, probably you will need to focus on something that gives you energy and you will be much better and faster at that. But the next thing is that I would tell myself and encourage myself to support other women throughout the whole journey of yourself. No matter how successful or unsuccessful you might feel, if you make sure to support other women, it will be a very, very important deed to do. Because still in this type of environment, we speak about equality. We think we do have it. We don't. And each and every woman supporting each other on the way that they are, if you're a mom and juggling your work, talk with other women's, how did they do that? How did they go through this? What was important for them? If you are in a big C-level position and you feel an imposter syndrome coming in and all the men around you being very clever and you don't feel like one, well, trust me, you are support other women who are trying to go through the same path. That would be something that I would tell myself. I would understand nothing of what I said to myself at that time, but I hopefully would remember it and would live by it because this is what I do. This is what I believe. And this is what is bringing impact for other women around me as well. Did, did you have support like that when you were? Not enough. And I would say I was not kind enough to some women around me in the journey as well, which also is a very sad thing because that's where you need the most help from people around you. And I did not have enough. And when I think back of all the women that have supported me throughout the journey, I remember single one of them and I remember them and wish that I could be that person for as many people as I can. That's powerful. And I think you are. I think you already have have been even just saying that on this show. And then, you know, my next question to you really is, you know, how can people contact you? If they, if they, you know, and, and you, did, did your younger self accept that support? I, I wonder, you know, and would your younger self have listened or, or sought someone like you out? That's a good point. So listen, I don't know, but remember that when you reflect on it, it's important because that's where the magic would happen. But I would suggest women or whoever it is, a man or whoever else, you would seek out that help. If you feel like you are stuck, seek out help from somebody else. It doesn't have to be a person you totally look up to. It can be a path on the way, just like with the social selling thing. Start with asking for some help career guidance or just a meeting with somebody who's on a similar path. And then you will collect yourself to ask for more help from a person you actually look up to the next time. And that meeting will happen as well. Hmm. Even just small asks for help. And I, I definitely remember hearing this, that I think sometimes we, we don't want to ask others for help in a big way. But we also don't want to ask for help in a small way because a small way seems like an inconvenience. But I've heard now the the actual statistics show that it's actually good to ask for small things because that person can then help you 
Mm-hmm. And then they feel good. People, I mean, it feels good to help other people. So it's not a burden. If you need help, you know, ask. Exactly. Yeah. So where where can people reach out? Where do you want them to, to hit you up? I'm help in social selling, help you know, uh, other women on the path. Maybe they're, you know, fighting and, and climbing and doing the thing in sales or other positions. I'm on LinkedIn. You reach me on LinkedIn connect with me. I accept all the connections that I get and hit me up with a message. I'm happy to help. Definitely. And definitely say you heard it on the podcast so she doesn't think you're a stranger trying to sell her something. Heard it on the podcast. I'm ready to go. Shoot, yeah. me, some, shoot me some advice. All right. I need help. I have some questions for you. Great idea. And we will link to LinkedIn so you don't have to go figure out the profile. We'll put it right there in the show notes. You can just click right through. Thank Laura, you. thank you so much for coming on here. This, I think this has been amazing. It's been a time warp. A whole hour has passed by, and I feel like I am so much smarter because of it. I just really thank you so much. Casey, thank you very much for inviting me. It was a pleasure. Absolutely. And for those listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back, and I've run out of room. I'm like running sideways then share this with someone else. One person, three people, start your social selling today. Start it now. What's the one takeaway? I've got a million. Remember, there are five things. And and what's easy to control is that marketing stuff. What's not so easy is the people stuff, but that's what we got to do. So leaders, start yourself. Make a little competition, the teams, and then give it time. All these things. Share what your takeaway was tag Laura, tag myself. We'll have a little conversation. We'll have a little fun on LinkedIn. Let's go. And then everything will be groovy. And we'll just, we'll see all those great results that we heard about today. So anyways, I'm excited to get started. I can't wait. Laura, thank you again. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. This has been a crazy cool episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will see you all next time.